You've now seen the gas station scene on every newscast and all across your social media feed. Gas prices have soared to national averages of $4.32 a gallon, the highest ever. In my old state of California, in fact, that average is a whopping $5.74, while in my new state of Texas, it's over $4. That is costing average Americans a lot of extra money and fuel, but perhaps more importantly, it's driving up the cost of everything else because you guys, high fuel costs affect many things like your Amazon delivery, your airline tickets, and much, much more. This is The Dima Show. Dima Show. A unique perspective on entrepreneurship, real estate, business, finance, politics, and current events with a big dose of common sense. Warning. Warning. If you're easily offended, this is not the podcast for you. Listen at your own risk. Joe Biden and the White House have made a concerted effort to pin the blame on Russia's invasion of Ukraine and Putin in general. Gonna go up. <laughs> Can't do much right now. Russia's responsible. Heck, the White House has even enlisted TikTok influencers to spread their message all across the United States. Is that actually true? Or are there other reasons that gas prices are so high? How long will these high gas prices last? And when can we expect some relief at the pump? To answer those questions, let's first rewind all the way to where it begins with gas. But first, if you're new here and you like finance, freedom, and fun, hit that like button so that YouTube shows this video to a brand new audience so that they can explore these videos. And also consider subscribing and hitting that bell icon so you get notified every time I release a new video. The gasoline that you put in your car starts out as crude oil in an oil well. Crude oil is a natural fossil fuel that's found on our planet, and it's important to know that it is non-renewable, meaning that it can't be replaced naturally at the rate that we're consuming it. And therefore, you guys, we are eventually going to run out of oil. Because of how many things are made with oil, that makes it the single most important commodity in the entire world. Back to how gas is made. That crude oil is pumped out of wells and then it's shipped either by pipeline or tanker to an oil refinery. Once it's there, the oil is distilled, which is the process of heating the oil to the point where the desired part vaporizes, leaving the undesirable part behind. That vapor is then condensed back into liquid and collected. Modern gasoline engines require better fuel to achieve high performance, so other substances are blended into the distilled petroleum to make the fuel that you put into your car and that I put into my car. Now that we know how gasoline is made, what causes gas prices to go up or down? Just like with any product or service in the free market economy, and if you watch my real estate videos, you probably already know the answer to this, it's all about supply and demand. Let's look at the supply side first. The United States, Saudi Arabia, and Russia are the leading producers of oil in the world. You've probably heard of OPEC, which is a group of countries in the Middle East that control almost 80% of the world's oil reserves. And as you can imagine then, OPEC also controls a lot of the supply and therefore the price of oil. The United States produces about 11.3 million barrels of oil per day, 
Russia produces 10.1 million barrels, and Saudi Arabia produces 9.3 million barrels. On the demand side, you guys, it should come as no surprise that the United States is the biggest consumer of oil at 17.2 million barrels per day, while Russia consumes only 3.2 million. Saudi Arabia consumes about 3.5 million. So you could see the drastic difference there. And as you can see, that makes the U.S. a net importer of crude oil, since we consume more than we make, while Russia and Saudi Arabia are major crude oil exporters. And now that we know a bit about the market dynamics of oil, let's take a quick look at how the price of oil has fluctuated recently. On the day of this video, the price of oil sits at just under a hundred dollars a barrel, which is actually down considerably from a high of one hundred and twenty-three dollars a barrel just a week ago. But still, as you can see, the price of oil has risen drastically this year. In fact, it's more than doubled to prices that we haven't seen since two thousand and eight. Hey guys, if you like what you're hearing and you're getting value from this show, please be sure to give me a five-star review so that it's shared with more people. And now, back to the show. Which leads us back to that original question of whether Russia's invasion of Ukraine is causing gas prices in the United States to go up. Now, I want you to know that I paid over $100,000 in law school tuition to be able to give you this very sophisticated answer. Maybe. As I mentioned earlier, you guys, Russia is one of the biggest suppliers of oil in the world. Russia's war in Ukraine did not directly have any impact on that. In fact, Russia is still producing oil, and they're still very willing and would love to be selling it to the world. However, the subsequent sanctions that were levied on Russia by the United States and other countries have made it way more difficult for Russia to sell that oil. And then, of course, Joe Biden banned Russian oil, which was supplying about seven percent of all the U.S. oil imports. And those two things have definitely caused the price of oil to spike in recent weeks. So Biden's statement that Russia's invasion caused higher gas prices is kind of, sort of true, but somewhat indirectly. It was actually the sanctions and the response and the banning of Russian oil that have caused oil prices to go up. In addition to the record inflation that we have seen recently, but more on that in just a bit. Now, if we aren't going to get that oil that we need from Russia, we have to replace it somehow, right? We got to get it from somewhere else. Where is that going to be? One place is our U.S. strategic oil reserves. On March 1st, the U.S. released 30 million barrels of oil from those reserves. Now, remember, the U.S. uses about 17 million barrels per day. So, when you put that into perspective, releasing 30 million barrels is unlikely to make a huge dent. But I guess every drop helps. Also worth noticing is that the U.S. has about 577 million barrels in total reserve, so they're releasing only about five percent of that right now. How will the U.S. replace the rest? It's going to have to look to Iran, Saudi Arabia, and Venezuela, which are not exactly countries that the U.S. wants to rely on in the midst of a world crisis. Recently, the Saudi Crown Prince and the UAE's Sheikh both declined U.S. requests to speak to Joe Biden. Saudi and Emirati officials have become more vocal in recent weeks in their criticism of American policy in the Gulf. Iran also recently escalated tensions with the U.S. by sending missiles 
within striking distance of the U.S. Embassy in Iraq. We haven't heard too much about that yet, but it was a pretty big deal. Would those countries be doing the same thing under Trump? Trevor Noah doesn't seem to think so. This would have never happened to Donald Trump. Never. No one was ever ignoring Donald Trump's calls. Yeah, because if you ignored Donald Trump's calls, you didn't know how he would respond. Maybe he'd send an angry tweet, or maybe he'd just like ban your country from everything. You don't know. And if Trevor Noah is bashing the current administration, you know it must be getting pretty bad for them. This strategy of cutting off Russian oil begs the question, are we just replacing one bad actor for another here? Now, the optics of banning Russian oil in the midst of the war seem to make sense, but are we any better off buying it from these other countries? I'm not so sure. Ultimately, the U.S. has a shortage of oil, and that shortage is causing an upward pressure on prices, just like with any other shortage in the free market. Which brings us to the topic of inflation, which I know you've just been waiting for me to hit on, right? Inflation has been surging over the last year, with the most recent inflation numbers coming in at a whopping 7.9% year over year. That is the highest that we've seen since the early 1980s. But the bottom line is that inflation causes the value of the dollar to get eroded and it causes prices to go up. So inflation is definitely contributing to rising gas prices. Now I know what you're thinking. It's something I haven't mentioned yet. What happened with the Keystone XL pipeline? It's been in the news a lot. So what exactly went on there? Well, let's explore that thought. The Keystone Pipeline is a pipeline that transports crude oil from Alberta, Canada, down to various refineries in the U.S. and Texas. The XL section is phase four of the pipeline that was proposed from Alberta through Montana to Nebraska, where up to 830,000 barrels of crude oil per day would make it down to the Gulf Coast. The history of the Keystone XL Pipeline is actually pretty interesting. Barack Obama actually halted construction of the pipeline back in 2015, citing environmental concerns. Then in 2017, President Trump got the necessary permits and he restarted the pipeline construction. And then, of course, as we all know, in 2021, one of the first things Joe Biden did is sign an executive order to revoke the permit and shut down the pipeline construction, which also put about 11,000 people out of work. The controversy over the pipeline is, of course, environmental. The opposition cites potential oil spills that would harm wildlife and the environment as the reason to shut it down. And while significant oil spills happen and they are consequential, they're actually pretty rare, you guys. Biden shut down the pipeline over those environmental concerns in what now might seem to be a hasty move. The U.S. was getting about 672,000 barrels of oil per day from Russia. Do you remember how many barrels Keystone XL would have produced? 830,000. Now, Gen Psaki is not all wrong since Keystone would not have been finished just yet, and perhaps not all of that oil would go to the U.S., but it would have been an ongoing solution that would be much closer to completion than anything else we currently have in the works. When you combine all of the factors that I've talked about, lower and tighter supply of oil, high demand in oil, and inflation, it causes oil prices and fuel prices to go way up. Don't expect those prices to come down anytime soon either. 
I don't see the U.S. lifting the sanctions on Russian oil, even if the war were to end today. And we don't really have any great options to immediately replace that oil production. And as I always do on this show, let's talk about what you can do about it. Well, you can start by buying an electric car. And if you listen to Mayor Pete, now that he's back from paternity leave, that is the simple solution, right? So the people from rural to suburban to urban communities can all benefit from the gas savings of driving an EV. Right? So get out there, get your electric car, and we're done with this discussion. Now that may help you avoid the gas station, but contrary to what the White House would have you believe, it's not yet a practical solution for most Americans. And it also doesn't affect the price of other things that rely on gas. Electric cars do make up 9% of all cars worldwide, so who knows? At some point, maybe that will be the answer. But if that's not an option for you right now, make sure you subscribe to my channel so that you always stay in the know on the best finance tips and tricks. You know I had to sneak that in there, right, you guys? But in any event, what's the other solution and what are the other things that you can do? Okay, you can also use gas apps like Gas Buddy. That's a really good one, and it shows you the cheapest gas around you. Costco always seems to be the best bet in my area, so I frequent their gas a lot. Also, check out the points and rebates offered by your credit card companies for gas purchases, as those can also provide some savings and benefits in some cases. And make sure to fill up on Mondays, which are statistically the cheapest days to get gas. Avoid Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, which are the most expensive. And of course, the next time you vote, whether that's a local, state, or national election, make sure you research and consider the policies and the track records of the politicians that you're voting for and how those will impact the issues that you care about. Thanks for tuning in to The Dima Show. If you got value from this podcast, do me a favor and share it with someone you know or give me a shout out on your social channels and be sure to tag me so I can thank you. Also, throw in a five-star review wherever you're listening so that the show is shared with more people. I'll catch you on the next episode. Dima out. This has been The Dima Show. All information and content provided is for informational purposes only, and you should not construe any such information or other material as legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.